five, four, three, two, one. And we are live. I'll tell you what, Solomon. I just cold called for the last hour, didn't set a single meeting. Please tell me you have had more success recently with the pipeline generation. I've had a little more success than that, but that's okay. You know what? Sales was full of highs and highs and lows, Trent, and you know this. And you've been pretty successful where you are, so it's probably just a bad stretch. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to keep pace with you. And, and guys, we are joined by a great guest today, Solomon from Asana. He's an enterprise AE, and really what he specializes in from a branding standpoint is helping AEs and SDRs close more deals. So we're going to talk all about it today, Solomon. We want to help the people and the masses get to the next level. So why don't you take us back to 2006 when you started out as an SDR? How did you get into tech? Um, and, and just talk about what that experience was like for you. Happy to share thoughts there, Trent. 2006, oh my God, 16 years ago. <laughs> I don't know if I have enough fingers for, for that. I, I don't <laughs> know. I, like I, I think I used a rotary phone for like an hour. Possibly <laughs> kind of like you did. But um, the funny thing is, is that my my mom, she wanted me to become a doctor or engineer or lawyer. And if you have any South Asian friends, it'll resonate with them. And you know, but throughout my high school and university career, I had jobs as a you know telemarketer, door-to-door uh, -door salesperson for the Toronto Star newspaper, you know selling phone plans. I really had a passion for sales, and so when my mom said that, I said no. You know I want to get into tech sales. It's something I want to do. I'll make you proud. I'll make some money. Don't worry about that. I'll try. <laughs> it is it is you know the commission structure and all that. But uh, I'll do my best. And she said you know make us proud. And I think I've done that. But so 2006, I got hired by such a huge innovative company like IBM, where I got my foot in the door as a sales development rep. It was called lead generation rep at that time. I don't think the SDR role was like sort of structured at that time. And it was it was interesting because I look at all the folks that have wonderful tools today that they're using as SDRs. We didn't have a course or gong. We didn't have you know, the outreaches, we didn't have, you know, the LinkedIn sales navigator. We, what we had was, you know, a Siebel CRM. <laughs> you probably oh, never heard man. of that. It took us two hours to get a dead op report. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. And it was, uh, but, but here's the thing, in fairness, it was tough, you know, calling gatekeepers, uh, you know, finding out who the right contact was, who the IT executives were. But in fairness, it wasn't as competitive as as now with the amount of vendors and solutions out there. People are a little easier to get a hold of. Right now, it's like you know, there's there's so many vendors out there. It's very competitive. But it was, if it it was definitely different back then. So it, it sounds like you faced some of that. I don't want to call it societal pressure, but almost from the family saying, "Hey, we expect you to go in one of these more traditional career paths where we know that there's there's high pay and, and societal status with doctor, medical, lawyer, whatever that may be." Um, what did your mom say when you said I'm going into sales, specifically tech related? Did she did she accept it at first, or what did that conversation look like? Well, she didn't really know what it was, right? <laughs> was like, what what are you talking about? And what's funny is that I don't think my mom truly knows what I do to this day. Uh, it's kind of funny. I was speaking to like one of my uncles uh, who, who's, who's close to my mom and. He thought I worked in a call center where I was just kind of wearing a headset and just like taking yeah. like, calls and. But, but so for my mom, I try to explain to her that, you know, I'm in technology sales. It's something that's passionate about, something I, you know, I solve problems for big, big companies. So I think she's slowly trying to realize that. But when I said that, she was taken aback because, you know, 
if, if you see the South Asian culture, they like to compare people, you know, because a lot of their friends, a lot of their relatives have these, their doctors or their engineers and their lawyers, and people like to compare. But, you know, I, I like to stay true to my values. It's not about, you know, what other people's dreams are. It's all about what your dreams are, what you're passionate about, what you're really uh, driving towards. And that was sales for me. And I, I know something that, that's important to you is being a minority in tech, and that's something you talk about. So I want to hear your thoughts on diversity in the workplace. And let's say you were the leader of a large organization. What, what thoughts do you have to try and promote more inclusion and, and trying to attract talent from all places on earth? Yeah, I think, I think inclusion is important. And I'll, I'll tell you why. You know, back in 2006, when I first started my career and even on, ongoing, you know, I think it's important to understand there wasn't a lot of diversity when it came to sales. Uh, there wasn't a lot of diversity when it came to leadership, even women in leadership, you could argue back then. And even in that case, for example, I, I don't drink. I talk a little bit about that as well. And, you know, when you come into sales back then, especially there's this whole bro culture of, you know, your, your people picture salespeople as sitting down at the bar, checking down a couple of cold, cold ones with clients, closing deals. But it's a lot more than that. It's about you know building those relationships, solving those business problems, building trust with clients. And I think that you know it was a little bit tough at first because I, I I'm a big person that stays true to my values, and you know not being in that culture was a little bit challenging in different circumstances, whether it be happy hours. And, and I have colleagues that drink. I have nothing against people who drink. I just don't personally. And, uh, you know, I felt a little bit pressured indirectly and directly sometimes uh, from, from some of my teammates, teammates back then. But when it comes to diversity, I think that it's important to, to, to look towards having diverse teams, whether it's in leaderships, whether it's in AEs. And, you know, the, the purpose is looking for great talent that is diverse as well, because in the world that we're living in, um, it's it's all about diversity. It's about inclusion. It's about making sure that we give equal opportunity to individuals, and and you see that I, I see that today with individuals coming from all walks of life. They're not people transitioning from teachers into sales. You know, uh, you know minorities and 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 underrepresented groups and women in leadership and sales. It's important to me. I think it's important to uh, driving that change moving forward. I think that's why people resonate with your content so much on LinkedIn especially is because anytime somebody that can stay true to their values and, and really embody, hey, this is my line in the sand, this is what I believe, I, I think people respect that and that's really important because it's so easy in those situations as we, as we try and please other people or do what may, maybe a client would like in 2007, let's go to the golf course, IBM, 18 holes, we'll close the deal and, and really saying true to what's important to you. Um, good for you and I, I think that that's a cool message to share. As we think about when you first started, um, SDR 2006, you said, look, I'm gonna do tech sales, this is what I wanna do. D did you immediately come in and, and, and just hit the ground running and you knew sales for, was for you? Did you find immediate success? Or what did that process look like to come in and, and really get your footing doing sales? Yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult trend because being a seller early on in my career, you know, it's it, you know, I, I I went through rejection when I was selling newspaper subscriptions, getting doors slammed in my face. I was used to that. I was selling phone plans for AT and T. I was doing telemarketing and fundraising and all that sort of fun stuff. So I, I was used to that rejection. But 
I think tech sales is a different game. You're going to IBM, you're going to such a, such a large organization where you know the pressure's on you, you gotta hit your numbers, and it's all about that number at the end of the day. And yeah. it was a bit of a transition for me. It was difficult because of that pressure. It was difficult to you know, really be in an environment where you were on your own and you had to develop those relationships internally to be successful. You need to develop a point of view um, you know, you need to, to learn from others to, to be better at prospecting. And that takes a while. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, I'll, I'll dive into this later, but it took me 10 years to move from an SDR, right, to enterprise sales. I got laid off in the process. I was in multiple AE roles in commercial. I got placed on a PIP early in my career, which is a performance improvement plan. And I wanted to get to enterprise sales. That was my goal, right? like covering the big banks and insurance companies in Canada, closing those large deals. I wanted to get there. It took me more than 10 years to get to that point. But you know what? I'm, I savor every moment and um, it was a great journey to get there. I, I think we all look forward to learning from your experience today because I can certainly speak to myself and my career path. I started as an SDR three years, 10 months ago. I, I'm now in a, a senior account executive and, and relatively closer to becoming an enterprise account executive. That That's ultimately what I want. And I, I think that that patience thing is so important of, look, your time is going to come. And, and I pulled up a, a post of yours that did really well on LinkedIn that I wanted to read. And I think it plays right into this. And we're going to get into the enterprise experience. It's 2006, started your career off as an SDR like we just talked about. 2017, first enterprise sales role. It took Solomon 10 and a half years to get to strategic enterprise sales like he talked about. A decade from SDR to enterprise. If you don't crack an account for a few months, keep your head up. If you're an SDR and see your peers around you getting promoted, your time will come. If the deal you banked on this year pushes out, not the end of the world, you can't win everything. If you're feeling the pressure and things aren't going your way, remember every difficult situation eventually ends. And if you're on the PIP, like you just talked about, Salman, asking yourself, is sales even right for me? We've all asked ourselves that. It's okay. You're not crazy for asking for it. I did, I did myself many years back. Be patient, be resilient, things take time. Learn from your lows and don't give up. I didn't. Talk to me about what that post means to you and, and, and what advice you would give to someone that's just saying, I just want to get to that next level right now. Here's what I'll say, Trent. I'll say that sales is full of highs and lows. And, and you know this from your experience. You're gonna have some really great quarters and really great months have some really low quarters and really low months it's just a part of the process and i think the the rarest you know quality that sellers have is patience and keep in mind patience doesn't mean you're not determined patience doesn't mean you're not resilient and you put in 100 percent effort but things take time and i feel strongly about the fact that we're living in a world today where everybody wants instant gratification. You know, when you send that prospecting email, you wanna get that reply from that executive right away and he'll do anything. Things take time, take a step back. You wanna get that deal in quarter, he'll do whatever you can. Things take time, take a step back. Not everything is gonna play out the way you want. And I've seen it where people have been in sales for five, 10, 15 years and it went through highs and lows. But I'm a big believer if you're, if you put in 100% effort in what you're doing, you follow a process and playbook that um, that actually built out, and we'll talk about that later. And if you're resilient and you're patient 
you will be successful. Not saying you're going to go through highs and lows, but you're going to go through some lows. But what do you do learning from that? Do you learn from what your losses? Do you learn from your wins? And can you apply that to the next opportunity or the next deal? That's what patience means to me. Talk about going to the next level. So in order to go from SDR to strategic enterprise, you had to eventually move from that, that SDR role to, to more of a, a closing role, and I'm sure that happened at some point. So what, what advice would you give to SDRs that, that are in that, the pursuit to become account executives? What, what skills do you think one must master as an SDR to be prepared for the AE closing position? And then, and then how can you ultimately clo close that gap going from SDR to AE? They're all going to be patient now, so they need to know what exactly <laughs> to do. Be patient. Yeah, you're right. I think there's a couple of things. Number one is there's, 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 there's a thing called a personal brand that people talk about, but I don't think people talk about the fact that there's two. There's an internal brand and there's an external brand. And what I would encourage SDRs and AEs early in the career is try to work on that internal brand. What I tell them is when you come into a new role, like it's overwhelming, you meet so many people, but take the time to meet with number one, the best SDRs and AEs, book a coffee with them, sit down and learn from them. What has made you successful? What are some of the habits you've put in place? What are you doing that others are not that makes you different? sit down and talk with sales leaders who are in the SDR and AE space and sit down and pick their brain saying, hey, what are some of the qualities that you look for in the top reps? Uh, what, do you, what has made you successful to move up the chain and learn from them? And also, number three is sit down with your cross-functional teams. That'll bring your brand. Sit down with your DLDS team, with RevOps, with legal, you know, with, with, with your SC team and just you know, understand uh, what's important to them how you can make their job easier. Because then when you do that, people will look at you and say, hey, no, I, I know Solomon, hey, I know Trent, yeah, he met with me last week. People will start talking to you. That's gonna increase your brand, I guarantee you. And then the second part is your external brand. And that's the way you coordinate yourself and um, you know, in the way you um, sort of portray yourself to your customers. Are you coming in with a point of view? Is the message that you're sharing relevant? Are you building a brand on LinkedIn where, you know, it's not saying you have to post all the time, but are you engaged in, in social selling? Are you building your brand so people know who you are? So I think those are the two things I'd recommend the most is building that internal brand and external brand and the qualities of grit, the qualities of passion and drive and not giving up are, are so important as well. What about your life has changed as a result of, of putting yourself out there with the personal brand? I, I've seen some, some posts you shared messages, people reaching out to you saying how much you've helped them either find jobs, find more success in their jobs. So I, I'd imagine that has, has led you to feel gratified in, in many ways and that, that's a great feeling. What has come as a result of, of you putting your stuff out there online? It's a good question, Trent. I'm a big believer that if you give something to someone or provide help to someone without expecting anything in return, not expecting anything in return, good things are going to come your way. And I started doing that about seven months ago. I started posting on LinkedIn and it was, it took some time to get some engagement, it took a few months, but it started resonating with people, it started resonating with AEs like yourself, it started resonating with SDRs, it started resonating, resonating with underrepresented groups who were in sales or trying to get into sales. and they really said that. They, they reached out on numerous occasions, dozens and dozens of messages saying, I love your contact. Hey, this is great. How can I learn from you? Hey, I got an interview coming up. Can you help with that? And 
you know, it got to a point where I just, you know, put it out there to help people. And it resonated with them. And people got jobs because of some of the content that I produced on interview tips. People progressed deals because of the uh, things I shared from sales. And I didn't expect anything in return, but good things came my way because of that. Number one is I built my confidence as an AE. I can tell you I've been performing really, really well the last seven or eight months in my current role. And I think it's a direct impact of what I've been doing on LinkedIn and the confidence that has helped build me. Number two, I've been building my brand. You know, I've been on about six or seven podcasts like this one where, where people are recognizing what I'm doing. And number two, number three, I think it's just giving back to the community and knowing that, hey, I, the small impact that I made really paid off dividends for that individual, for that you know, person that was trying to get into tech sales or was trying really hard and my content helped them get over the hump. That person that was struggling trying to get interviews and you know got past the second round but couldn't get past that single round and my content helped them get over that hump or that people or that those folks that had deals that were stuck in the pipe and i provided some insight and they read my content and they sent me a message saying thank you salman your content helped me get that deal uh, unstuck that's what really has made a difference for me since i started posting it's a, it's a it's a great feeling, um, and and I see it too. And and speaking of the internal and external brand, um, just to share some context context on my experience. So when I started putting myself out there, similar to you, nobody cared. You have to get past that initial hurdle of no one's listening, no one cares, and you keep going, and eventually you 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 get some momentum. And as a result of me putting myself out there internally, it it's helped with just recognition of, of people knowing who I am and, and there's a lot of top performers but what is that X factor you bring and just people knowing your name I think that's helpful as well but especially what you said about uh, I'm happy to hear your performance has been elevated I feel that when I put myself out there it, it almost creates this this self accountability where if I'm gonna tell people how to do something I need to actually listen to what I preach and do it myself and I feel that it just creates that that extra sense of I got to get the job done, or I'm almost a, a fraud in a way. Do you, do you ever feel that of if I'm going to tell people sales advice, I need to be performing in my own sales job? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'll tell you what I made this promise to myself and to my wife. I actually posted about it uh, several months ago, and I said, if two things are affected, I will stop engaging on LinkedIn at the level I am today. I will scale back. Number one, if my performance is affected at work, if I'm not hitting my numbers, if I'm struggling, yeah, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to take a step back on LinkedIn. Number two is if the relationship with my family, I have a beautiful wife and three girls, is affected. I'm going to take a step back because family and faith are number one for me, Trent. And I'm happy to report that both have been effective positively. I'm doing great at work and I have a wonderful relationship with my family. So that's the promise that I made and it's been working out so far. I'm happy to hear that, man. And it's, it's promising for me because something I talk a lot about is um, I, I don't necessarily have a great balance. I think I'm a bit over indexed at this point in my career on the work, on the career. And, and at times, I mean, I'm a single guy, I live by myself and the relationship some, sometimes suffers. So it's something I'm working on. So it's cool to see someone like you that's in the position I strive to be in one day, can still do the content and, and can make it work at home. So I'm sure that could be a whole nother topic of another podcast. But I know what a lot of people are here for is recognizing that performance, doing well in your job. 
as closers, account executives, strategic enterprise account executives like you, we need to close revenue. We need to close more deals. And I know that that's something you talk a lot about, and it sounds like you may have built a framework which we can get into. Talk about that iteration going from, from SDR to account executive when you first started closing. And I want to talk about that experience ahead to you evolving to become an enterprise rep. Yeah, it, it was it was an experience to say to say the least because you know coming in from an SDR to an AE role at some companies that I've worked like at like IBM and Salesforce, it was competitive, but and it wasn't easy and there was a lot of pressure. But what I started doing as an AE, late you know midway through my career, which has helped me so much now, Trent, so much, is documenting my wins, documenting my losses. And specifically on the losses, why did I lose? Was it I wasn't aligned with an executive early on in the cycle? Was it I didn't do enough discovery throughout the process and the deal to really understand the impact that challenges had to people's businesses? Did I not you know, build out a mutual plan where I held the customer and myself accountable to achieving that end goal? So what I did was over the past several years of, of being an AE in the commercial space is I did that. I documented that to make sure I knew where I could be better and then applying that to ongoing deals in, in, in coming years. And it's helped me build out a playbook that I follow very, very closely because I'm a big believer that you need to have a process. You need to follow a playbook to ensure that you are increasing your chances at closing a deal and I've been following it and I use it and I share some snippets on LinkedIn and it's been helping others. It, it's it's funny those reasons you listed as to why you lose deals and, and, and those are oftentimes the most painful lessons you can have. Thinking you're gonna close this deal in your head, you're saying I need to close this 50K deal to hit my quota or there's just virtually no path. And one of the, the primary reasons I lose deals at this stage in, in my evolution is lack of executive alignment. So I've been working with maybe a, dire a director, VP, but in reality, the C-level person's the actual person that's gonna unlock the budget or sign on it. Maybe they weren't quite as aligned as we needed them to be, and they used a previous vendor at another company, and all of a sudden, last second, they, they changed when we thought we, had, we thought we had things done. So as you look at some of your lessons from all of the, the losses and, and learnings across the years, what, what, what would maybe be just one or two of the key lessons or takeaways that, that, that you have brought from that exercise? Yeah, I think a couple of key items that stand out in my playbook that's really helped me learn and apply that to be successful is number one, you know, if, on your forecast calls, um, you know, I'm sure your manager asks you a lot of the time and asks me a lot of the time and the fellow AEs, walk me through the decision-making process. How does this team make decisions? What is their process? And you'll be surprised that there's a lot of AEs that can't answer that question in an articulate way because they just don't know their customer's process, their buying process. That's why every question I ask, I ask this key question in my discovery calls to make sure I fully understand what the buying process is. Understanding, you know, what is your buying process based on the fact that you've bought technology in the past? Can you walk me through that on how you evaluate technology, how you decide on buying uh, technology and who else is involved in that process for more regulated industries like financial services or government or healthcare, what sort of process do you need to go through in terms of information security and in terms of privacy assessments? Can you walk me through that? Those questions are so important 
because they're going to help you understand that process so that you can mitigate risk in your deals and be proactive versus reactive. That's number one. Number two, which I think is, is, is missing a lot, is not just uncovering the challenge and the pain, but the impact that pain has on the business and quantifying that. And I'll give you an example. Uh, there's a lot of AEs out there that I've noticed when they hear a challenge that's music to their ears. I really, oh yeah, that, that challenge that they just said, that, that resonates with me so much. That's, a, that's exactly the problem that we solve. Let me jump in and talk about my solution. No, 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 no. Take, a, take a step back. Let the customer speak. Let them talk about their challenge. Let them talk about how it's impacting their business and their other people's and, and their other cross-functional teams and ask them, okay, you know, I understand, you know, that, that, that resonates with me. How is this challenge impacting your business? your total cost of ownership, because that's the key executive priority, expense efficiency, your CEO has said, how is this impacting your day-to-day? How is this impacting your nutrition, your digital burnout? Being proactive and digging a bit deeper on the impact is the second level. And then the third level, which takes a bit of time, is ask them if they can quantify that impact. You know, what, what sort of dollars and cents is affecting their total cost of ownership and revenue? Is it affecting their attrition rates? They may not know right off the bat, but it gets them thinking. So understanding more about that before you dive into your value, your solution is so important. The decision process, the negative consequences, and it sounds like the, the quantifiable metric of what success looks like or the implications of doing nothing, you needed to master that, I'm sure, in order to elevate your game to the point to, to earn the right to become an enterprise account executive. So. Talk about what needed to happen for you to go from, you had experience as an SDR at, at IBM, you went to Salesforce, spent some time there, and then now you're an enterprise account executive, and, and that's what I strive to do. So talk about how, how that was possible. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Um, so th the way it worked out for me is, and I'll, I'm going to spin the story a little bit to, to what's important to me. So. I was at Salesforce as a, a commercial AE and an enterprise AE. If you look at my LinkedIn, I, I'm, they call something called a boomerang. I don't know if you know what a do you know what a boomerang means when 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 in, in your career where you work for a company and then you leave and come back. I didn't know it meant that until I came back to uh, IBM and Salesforce. So people said, "Oh, you're boomerang." I'm like what? What does that mean? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're right. That's what it means. You, you leave the company and come back. A funny story. Um, when I came back to Salesforce the second time, one of my colleagues uh, met me out of the elevator. He was like, oh, how's vacation? How's your time off? I was like, I left the company for a year. It's like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's a funny story. But anyhow, um, to answer your question, um, you know, I actually left uh, one of my companies, uh, Salesforce, uh, about three or four years into my career at Salesforce. And I did it because there was an opportunity that came up for an enterprise sales role. And uh, that's how I got my foot in the door. I proved myself. I made sure people understood that I was being successful, that I had this world-class experience and I had a playbook that I was looking to follow. But then I realized when I joined this new company, the key reason I joined, and I'm, I, I've shared this on LinkedIn, was there was a big bump in OTE. There was a big bump in base. And I got my enterprise opportunity. I was like, yes, I reached enterprise sales. I got my big bump. It was great. But then I realized something was missing in my first few months in the role. I wasn't excited to wake up in the morning. I wasn't 
compelled and had belief in the product. I realized that I didn't believe in what I was selling. And I slowly realized this in the way I was speaking to my customers and the way that I was, you know, you know, portraying myself and the value to, to myself and my customers. And slowly my customers saw through it and ultimately I saw through it. And I'm a, I realized then, I'm a big believer then, that the number one thing that you should be looking for in a sales role, you know, leadership is great. You should have strong leadership and believe in them. Coworkers and culture, diversity is so important. But what you should be looking for is, do you have conviction in what you're selling? Do you believe that what you're selling, do you believe in it? Do you believe it's going to provide value to your customers? Because if you don't have conviction in what you're selling, Trent, you're not going to be excited to be wake up every morning and you're just not going to be successful in the long term. And it took me some time to realize that. Conviction is so important. When you get to the point that, that you're ready and excited about your product, um, talk about your playbook for success. It, it sounds like you've documented your learnings over the years and, and you may have prepared some collateral to share with people how they can follow in your footsteps. Talk about your playbook, so, some of the key highlights, um, and then where people can find it at. Sure. I'll, I'll share one item, a couple items, but one that's near and dear to my heart. And it's something I actually speak to a lot of SDRs and AEs about in terms of their outreach and how they portray their message to executives, how they run discovery calls. Prospects don't care much about your fancy features, your capabilities, your ROI, all these metrics. What prospects care about are their business problems and how they can solve them. When you have an, a message to a, a prospect that you're trying to get them to, to resonate with them, when you're on a call with a company that doesn't know much about your product or your company, always start with the problem. And I think there's a little bit of a difference in ways that AEs understand this, because sometimes when I ask AEs, what are, the, what are the key problems they solve for? They start talking about the capabilities of the platform. Oh yeah, you know, we're a single uh, platform where you can see all your data in one place. You can do this. No, no, I'm asking you, what are the problems do you solve for? What are the common problems that your prospects are facing that you can solve for? And if you can understand that, if you can understand what the key problems are, for example, you know, data is in siloed places and it's difficult to, um, you know, have, have, you know, gather data and it costs too much money or, you know, people sp spend time, too much time coordinating meetings and back and forth and all the information is scattered. Those are problems. So focus on the problems and articulate that message to customers. For example, um, I actually had a call yesterday with, with the large bank and they didn't know much about our platform. I told the customer up front, it, I'm doing a disservice to you if I'm just telling you about all our fancy features and products and capabilities. Let me tell you about the three or four problems that we're mm. seeing your industry peers face today and I'm going to ask you if they resonate with you. If it resonates with you, let's explore it further and learn more. If it doesn't resonate with you, then we're going to shake hands and walk away. Is that okay? And they said yes. I, I, I went through for about two minutes. Here are the three poor problems that common folks in your industry face today. Does that resonate? They said 100% resonates. Then I talked about what is the impact? Can you tell me more about that? What is the impact of the business? Can you quantify it? 
And then I just teased the solution a little bit at the end and I booked a, a, a follow-up call. That's how you should be focusing on your calls and your outreach. Focus on the problem, not your capabilities. That's powerful, Solomon. It, it starts with really knowing your stuff too and having a viewpoint and not just hoping that they tell you, they give you the answers to the test. It's showing up prepared to say, hey, this, this is what we believe it's gonna be and, and you need to, to, to really frame it in a way that's gonna allow you to then position your solution as the answer if they are facing those problems. That's super powerful. Um, Solomon, where, where can they find your course? At? Do, you, do you have a, a course something? Is it on LinkedIn? Where, where do you want people to find you? This will be the final plug and then we're gonna wrap up. Find me on LinkedIn, Salman Mohideen. Give me a follow, engage with me. I look forward to it. Um, couple of snippets. Uh, we didn't talk about interviews, but it's something I specialize in. I've been in anywhere from 80 to 100 interviews since my 16 year career. And I can tell you that I'm an interview at ACE and I, I, I'm actually building out an interview playbook that's gonna be released to the public later this year. Stay tuned for that. I guarantee you that it's gonna help you land an opportunity. It's gonna increase your chances. And um, I'm also developing a sales playbook. I think that's for 2023, you're gonna table it. So find me on LinkedIn, let's engage with each other. Guys, I'll put a link to Solomon's LinkedIn down below. Go check him out. I follow him. He posts a lot of great stuff. If you enjoyed the episode today, make sure to subscribe now to Sales Prestige. Have a great rest of your day. Solomon, thanks for the time. Thanks a lot, Trent. Appreciate it.